Hello, this is Father John Arthur Orr, Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. In our last program, we presented so many passages of Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical letter, Caritas in Veritate, Charity and Truth, regarding health care in the Holy Father's letter. In previous programs, I've given an overview of the key terms throughout the encyclical. I focused on the social teaching, the social doctrine of the church as found in the encyclical. I focused on the life issues of the encyclical and on the family in the encyclical. Our most recent program was a focus on health care in the Pope's letter this letter intended to circle the globe. He hand-delivered a copy to our president on the 10th of July, three days after it was released to the public, having signed it on the 29th of June, the Solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul, the conclusion of the Pauline year. Our last program was a commentation on the 43rd article of Caritas in Veritate, Charity and Truth, focusing again on health care. We'll continue where we left off. The Holy Father speaks to us about disparities between affluent societies and underdeveloped ones, where there's an excess or a so-called right to, a false right to an excess, where other parts are lacking just basic food and drinkable water, basic instruction, or elementary health care. What is elementary health care? Well, freedom from uh, basic illnesses. Infant mortality at high rates is bad basic health care. I don't know that everyone will live to be 100 years old, but we can thank God if we live so long. The Holy Father makes uh, reference specifically in this 43rd article to outskirts of large metropolitan centers. Knoxville could be considered a large metropolitan center. And the further away you get between Knoxville and the next big city, Chattanooga to the south, or Kingsport to the north, or Asheville to the east, or Nashville to the west, they might be outskirts of large metropolitan centers. And this is where the Holy Father is anxious that they lack elementary or basic health care or where they may lack access to certain foods or drinkable water or basic instruction, schooling. And not just in our country. Imagine in other parts of the world. I've only been to the north of Africa, to the land of Egypt, but I am told of other parts there that suffer as the Holy Father describes. Imagine parts of Asia, not Tokyo, not Hong Kong, but go to the outskirts of those large metropolitan centers, and unfortunately we might experience likewise these same calamities. The Holy Father, in Article 43 of his third encyclical, speaks about rights and duties. It's very important that he shows the link, the connection between the two. The rights and duties are complementary. We do not have rights without responsibilities. In the last 300 or so years, duty has fallen on bad
luck. People fixating only on their rights. It's important for us to remember that God, too, has his rights, and he will not be mocked. The Holy Father reminds us also of the importance of meaning, and when we distort the true meaning of our rights and of our responsibilities, then there can be an indiscriminate and unlimited demand of benefits. We have to have gourmet food, not just bread and water. What about breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Or just one pot of porridge? I can only drink Evian or Perrier. I can't just drink tap water. You can see the Holy Father is trying to call us to responsibility, to temperance, to virtue, graced living, not only individually, but as a society as a global village, if you prefer. <clears throat> if we overemphasize our rights, we can disregard our duties. Here again, the Holy Father warns us. So we have a right to take care of our health, but we also have a responsibility to take care of our health. Duties set a limit on rights because they point to anthropological and ethical framework of which rights are part. Here we are reminded that Pope Benedict XVI was an advisor at the Second Vatican Council held in 1962 through 1965. Christian anthropology was a very important part of the Council, especially Gaudium et Spes, the pastoral constitution on the Church in the modern world which reminds us that Christ teaches us the truth not only of ourselves, but about God. If we have a bad anthropology, a bad understanding of what is the human person, it will affect the rest of our activity, for we act based upon what we know, or what we think we know. Our rights and responsibilities are part of our very being, anthropos meaning man, anthropology, the science of man. What does it mean to be human? Again, we see the importance of meaning. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. These words off the lips of truth incarnate Jesus Christ remind us of the importance of meaning. Remember, it was Pontius Pilate who denied that we could know the truth. Quod es veritas, what is truth? Even the letter's title from Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical, Caritas in Veritate, shows us the link. For if Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, if God is love, both of which are definitely asserted in sacred scripture, we can see that it is Christ who sets us free, who teaches us the truth about ourselves and about our God, in whose image we are made, the Lord and the giver of life, who cares for us and wants us to care for ourselves and for our neighbors. This is a part of an honest, a true, a developed, and integral 
anthropological understanding of the human being, the human person. Liberty is not license. We are not to do whatever we want, but we are to do whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is beautiful. We are called to defend and promote the common good. This phrase, the common good, treated earlier when I went over the social doctrine of the church is the political principle. Each of the sciences has a principle upon which it is based. This is the classic understanding of what is science, an organized body of knowledge gathered around a principle. The principle of politics is the common good. If we're only concerned about the party, if we're only concerned about our class or our ethnic background or what, that is not concerning the common good, everyone's good. That is the basis of life in common society. And Pope Benedict is very anxious that we return to a deep appreciation of the common good. I had stopped reading Article 43's reference to health care in the last program, so I'll resume again. Article 43, Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical, Caritas in Veritate, quote, Otherwise, if the only basis of human rights is to be found in the deliberation of an assembly of citizens, those rights can be changed at any time. And so the duty to respect and pursue them fades from the common consciousness. Governments and international bodies can then lose sight of the objectivity and inviability of rights, and when this happens, the authentic development of peoples is endangered. End quote. Article 43, Caritas in Veritate. Here we see the Holy Father warning against warning us against the tyranny of the majority. Deliberations of an assembly of citizens cannot take away our inalienable rights. According to the founders of our country, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, distinct from John Locke's pursuit of property, the basis of human rights is from God. We have rights from God, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We have responsibilities toward God. These were revealed on Sinai's height, but they are accessible through the natural law, through our rational appreciation of what good we should do and what evil we should avoid. This is classical philosophy. Remember, there were deliberations of assemblies of citizens called the National Socialist in Germany in the last century. We saw which rights they took away from others. We don't want to follow that path. Governments and international bodies can lose sight of objective and inviolable rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, those are objective rights. In viability, they cannot be taken away. 
authentic development of peoples. Remember this whole letter, this whole encyclical of Pope Benedict XVI, Caritas in Veritate, Charity and Truth, is all about integral human development, not just our material, our bank accounts, our property, our, our scientific progress, but also our spiritual progress, our moral progress, our development into whole persons, not just body, not just soul, but whole and entire to the glory of God, who made us for himself. This is authentic development of peoples. And the Holy Father has written his letter that authentic development not be endangered, but be nurtured, be protected, be fostered. The fifth reference to healthcare in Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical letter is found in Article 51. Here's a longish quote. Quote, the church has a responsibility towards creation, and she must assert this responsibility in the public sphere. In so doing, she must defend not only earth, water, and air as gifts of creation that belong to everyone, she must, above all, protect mankind from self-destruction. There is need for what might be called a human ecology, correctly understood. The deterioration of nature is, in fact, closely connected to a culture that shapes human coexistence. When human ecology is respected within society, environmental ecology also benefits. Just as human virtues are interrelated, such as the weakening of one places others at risk, so the ecological system is based on respect for a plan that affects both the health of society and its good relationship with nature, end quote. Article 51, Caritas in Veritate, Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical. Here, the Holy Father is speaking not about physiological, biological health only, but the health of society, so the well-ordering of society. It's an analogous use of the word health, normally used for living beings. <clears throat> Here we see responsibility towards creation. So we're reminded of the first article of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. The Pope is not claiming eco-terrorist credentials here. While he could be said to be green insofar as he acknowledges the good of creation, he does not bow down and worship the earth, the trees, the rivers. He cares for them because he knows who has created them and for what they have been created. The Pope worships God, and he calls us to do the same, and to care for that which God has entrusted to our care, earth, water, and air, here mentioned. Mother Church has a responsibility, according to the Pope, to protect us from self-destruction, not only personal self-destruction, which would be suicide, but also cultural or corporate self-destruction, uh, destruction of the planet, leading to the destruction of the race. The Church 
is here to remind us that God has called us to self-preservation and by his grace and mercy even to that preservation unto life eternal. Human ecology, the Holy Father mentions, includes taking care of one's own health. So we take care not only of rivers and trees, forest and fauna, but we also take care of our own health, not introducing chemicals or substances which would make us sick knowingly. Here I think of certain uh, chemicals we introduce into our bodies. Imagine the oral contraceptives which have warning labels which go on for page after page. This may cause stroke. This may cause bleeding. This may cause breast cancer. This may cause, it goes on and on. Oh honey, I love you, but here take these drugs. I don't care for our spiritual relationship. I don't care for our physiological health. I just want gratification. This is bad human ecology. The Holy Father warns us against such a false understanding, something which harms our human coexistence. In this Article 51 of his third encyclical, Pope Benedict XVI quotes John Paul II's encyclical letter Centissimus Annos, which was written on the 100th anniversary of Pope Leo XIII's encyclical Rerum Novarum, On New Things. This was the beginning of a great tradition in the Church of Social Writings. John Paul uses the phrase human ecology, and Pope Benedict XVI picked it up in his message for the 2007 World Day of Peace. Human ecology, environmental ecology, two sides of the same coin because part of the environment is that which lives in the environment, human beings. And human beings are caretakers of the environment as a special call from God who has placed us as beings in the world. The Holy Father here speaks also about virtues. These are stable dispositions to do good even in the face of difficulty with joy and ease. He speaks of the interrelation of human virtues, prudence and temperance, fortitude and justice. These are the cardinal virtues, prudence to do the right thing in the right way, the right time for the right reason, justice to give each their due, fortitude, the strength, the endurance to do what needs to be done, and temperance, not too much, not too little. Think of Goldilocks. This bed is too hard. This bed is too soft. This bed is just right. This porridge is too hot. This porridge is too cold. This porridge is just right. There are not only cardinal virtues, prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice. There are also the moral virtues. They're opposite the vices. If you recall Gilligan's Island, you can study the vices by the characters. There's a little typecasting, but it's helpful to go over it. Gilligan, because of his ineffective labors, he's symbolic of sloth. The virtue is diligence. Skipper, because of his girth, is typecast as gluttony. 
the virtue is temperance. Ginger, because of her beauty, her starlet status, is stereotyped as lust. The virtue is chastity. Mary Ann, because of her longing to be famous and loved and beautiful like Ginger, symbolic of envy, the virtue, brotherly love. Mr. Howell, typecast and symbolizing greed, his love of money, the virtue, generosity, opposite the vice. Mrs. Howell, symbolic, typecast, anger, he loves the money more than me, and he should love his wife. The virtue is patience, to bear wrongs patiently. That's a work of mercy. The professor symbolizes pride. I am the smartest man on this island. The virtue opposite pride is humility. The Holy Father speaks to us of the interrelation of virtues. If one lacks, it pulls the others down. So too in the ecology. If part of it is bad, my personal health, or in my part of the world, my personal health will fail, and the rest of the world's uh, balance will be affected. The Holy Father reminds us of these important truths. In Article 61, our Holy Father makes his sixth reference to health care in his third encyclical. It's a much more roundabout reference. He speaks about healthy recreation. Here's a longer quote. Quote, An illustration of the significance of this problem is offered by the phenomenon of international tourism, which can be a major factor in economic development and cultural growth, but can also become an occasion for exploitation and moral degradation. The current situation offers unique opportunities for the economic aspects of development. That is to say, the flow of money and emergence of a significant amount of local enterprise to be combined with the cultural aspects, chief among which is education. In many cases, this is what happens, but in other cases, international tourism has a negative educational impact both for the tourist and the local populace. The latter are often exposed to immoral or even perverted forms of conduct, as in the case of so-called sex tourism, to which many human beings are sacrificed even at a tender age. It is sad to note that this activity often takes place with the support of local governments, with silence from those in the tourist countries of origin and with the complicity of many of the tour operators. Even in less extreme cases, international tourism often follows a consumerist and hedonistic pattern as a form of escapism planned in a manner typical of the countries of origin, and therefore not conducive to authentic encounter between persons and culture. We need, therefore, to develop a different type of tourism that has the ability to promote genuine mutual understanding without taking away from the element of rest and healthy rec recreation. Tourism of this type needs to increase, 
partly through closer coordination with the experience gained from international cooperation and enterprise for development. I think this passage speaks for itself. The last passage of Pope Benedict XVI's third encyclical, which treats health care, is found in Article 76. Here's a longer quote. Quote, One aspect of the contemporary technological mindset is the tendency to consider the problems and emotions of the interior life from a purely psychological point of view, even to the point of neurological reductionism. In this way, man's interiority is emptied of its meaning, and gradually our awareness of the human soul's ontological depths, as probed by the saints, is lost. The question of development is closely bound up with our understanding of the human soul, insofar as we often reduce the self to the psyche and confuse the soul's health with emotional well-being. These oversimplifications stem from a profound failure to understand the spiritual life, and they obscure the fact that the development of individuals and peoples depends partly on the resolution of the problems of a spiritual nature. Development must include not just material growth, but also spiritual growth. Since the human person is a unity of body and soul, born of God's creative love and destined for eternal life. End quote. In this passage, Pope Benedict XVI quotes the Second Vatican Council's Pastoral Constitution on the Church in the Modern World, Gaudium et Spes, Article 14. Here he speaks to us of ontology. This is the science of being. Here we see echoes of Pope John Paul II's letter on the relationship between faith and reason, which calls for renewed metaphysics. Here we see a holistic psychology, not a reduction to neurology, but an understanding of the human person, the human soul, a body-soul composite. This is a part of our true integral human development, truncated often by a technological mindset. The Holy Father is not railing against technology. This letter he sent out over the internet. You're hearing about it over the radio, having been recorded on a computer. Surely technology need not be condemned. The Pope does not do that. But he reminds us of the truth of things. While emotions are of God, they do not exhaust our life with God. If we make ourselves slaves to our emotions, we will be blown with every strange wind, as the scriptures warn us. So important it is for us to understand what it means to be a creature, what it means to be made in the image of God what it means to have been fallen, to have inherited original sin, how important it is for us to know of our eternal destiny, how it is not just the economy stupid 
as presidents have told us in the past. The economy is important. If we do not have a roof over our head or clothes on our back or food in our bellies, woe to us. Happy days not here. But there is a good which is beyond all of these, a good which neither moth nor robber nor decay can destroy. That good is mentioned here, eternal life, life in Christ on high. We will only get there in God's mercy. We will only get there if we cooperate with God's plan for our lives, for our world, for true integral human development. This is the reason Pope Benedict XVI has written his letter. May we all correspond to God's grace. Be assured of my prayers for you. Until next time, God bless you.